There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The wheels have come completely off in Gainesville and in a wide open college football season. The biggest game in the country is right here in the state of Florida this Saturday. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. And Rick, uh, the Gators. Let's start with the Gators coming off last week's game at Missouri I never saw that. Missouri might be the worst team in the country other than Lovey Smith leading the charge. Don't go leading the charge, Illinois team. But they go up to, to Columbia, Rick, and get absolutely destroyed. And I'm starting to wonder, like, did they, you're not a big believer in teams quitting or anything, but what happened to the, what happened to the Gators? Well, that team wasn't ready to play. And I'll give Jim McElwain this much. He did pick the right quarterback. Randy Shannon went to Malik Zare. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, Felipe Franks came back in and actually had a chance. I mean, that kid has a lot of growing up to do. That team was in shock, I think. You know, I think it's a tough – I think when you lose your head coach, it's it's still sort of a sort of a weird thing to process. You know, you got guys wondering, well, I was recruited by him. Are they going to want me still? Should I be looking – you know, it's just like the coaching staff starts feeling that way. So, um, But to lose to Missouri the way they did, to, to sort of just get, you know, curb stomped, yeah. that's kind of inexcusable. Now I wonder – you know, are they going to be able to salvage anything in terms of wins and losses the, the remainder of the season? Because other than, you know, I think I think UAB could beat them. There are, they'd have to win their last three games to be bowl eligible. They got at South Carolina, they got UAB, and they got Florida State. I'm with you, Rick. I don't think they can win. They might not win any of these games. The only thing that last week's game did was permanently remove Randy Shannon from any consideration <laughs> right. of being the next head coach. But I do wonder, Rick, and you've been in this situation as, as a college athlete. Now, I, I don't, I don't know if you've had a coaching change during your during your time, but do you is is could this program be hurt for a very long time? Particularly if they don't pick their obviously if they don't pick the right guy next. But are there a lot of people now who are, who are just automatically I'm crossing Florida off of my list no matter what because they're such a mess right now? No, I think it'll depend on who they hire. And the, you know the, the good news for Florida is that everybody knows they have an opening and they can begin talking to people right away. And and you know within the reasons of these other teams being involved in their own seasons. And I think I think there's some sort of respect for that. But as soon as say they you know pick Scott Frost or some somebody like that. Um, I think that's who you go play for. You, you, you know, in college sports, you're really going to play for the coach as much as you are the program. The school obviously is a big sell. I mean, that's still an unbelievable university. Sure, um, a lot of resources, good, good uh, facilities, all those stuff. But I think ultimately it's going to depend on who their next coach is. They're not helping the brand right now. And and I think the other thing that was interesting listening to College Game Day was it's not so much that Florida has to hire a good coach. They have to hire a coach who's going to do it a certain way. you got to find the coach with the personality that's going to bring the confidence back to the program. But, by the way, while you're here, we need 45 a game. Like, they want <laughs> yeah. to score. They don't want to win the old-fashioned way, like 17-13. They want to score. That's why whether – and Chip Kelly's name should be brought up for any college job that opens up. But to me, Scott Frost, man. Scott yeah. Frost has yeah. got an edge to him. And he, what he's done as a head coach in two years at UCF, they were 0-12 when he got there. 
and now they're undefeated. I what? Mean, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. Springer sort of ruined it for everybody, but Meyer continued it yeah, yeah. in that you have a wide-open, offensive, fun-and-gun type entertainment package. So if you're going to lose, you're going to lose with points on the board. What they can have is, is another situation like they have now where they can't score. So I think whoever comes in there is going to be a coach like that. He's going to attract quarterbacks. He's going to attract skilled players. They're going to want to play that style. So that'll that'll build them. But right now, the Florida brand is is suffering just a little. Ultimately, no matter who they end up hiring, if it's Scott Frost or if it's Justin Fuente, they, they turn out, it may turn out to be okay in the end. I'm looking back now, though, at this program, and I'm wondering if they pulled the trigger a little too quick on Will Muschamp. And I realized that they were a mess at the end of the Will Muschamp era, too. They were getting beat by, what, Georgia Southern or whatever. And I remember Missouri coming in there, I think it was on homecoming, and absolutely blasting, or maybe it wasn't homecoming, but they absolutely blasted the Gators. And that became sort of like, okay, he can't recover from this. But – you know, looking back at this whole thing and seeing what Will Muschamp, he's not he's not done a bad job at South Carolina. I'm starting to wonder now, Rick, that I, things started to go south really when Urban Myers the last couple of years when he was coming and going, coming and going. And then he Muschamp, they got really impatient, I thought, was with Muschamp. And now they're they're in a spot now where, boy, they they don't get this one right. This program could go into the, they could go into the, um, not the Vanderbilt era, but like, but it could be pretty bad. Well, yeah, you don't want to be a second-running SEC team. I know what you're saying. Um, I actually think, if you really want to analyze it, I think Urban Meyer hurt them. Absolutely. Uh, I think Urban Meyer saying, I'm, I'm walking away. No, I'm not walking away. Look, you can't you can't take the keys back off the table. I mean, because that's a recruiting tool against you, and everybody's going to say, see, he's not going to be there for long. Don't go there. Uh, and then Muschamp comes in, and, he, and it took him a while to build up some talent. But regardless, Muschamp is Muschamp. He's not an offensive coach. He doesn't have a good offense in South Carolina. When I watched South Carolina play Florida last year, they literally could have switched sidelines as coaches <laughs> or uniforms, and you would not have been able to tell the difference between South Carolina and Florida. That's the problem. They need a dynamic offensive guy because there are just certain programs now that have an expectation in their fan base. They want to see points. A year from now, will Florida, if they hire the right guy, if they hire the guy that you think they should hire, which is – you like Scott Frost, right? Yes. If they if they hire Scott Frost a year from now and two years from now, will they be back to being the Florida that they – maybe not necessarily were under Spurrier because they were winning national championships, mm -hmm. but will they be a big-time respectable program again, or is this going to take a while to sort of wash the taste out of the mouth? No, this is two years. Um, and I think if you look at what he's done at UCF, if it's – let's take Scott Frost, for example mm – -hmm. Um, they, they are looking at a potentially undefeated season. Before he was there, they were one in whatever, right? Two in whatever. Yeah. So it, it takes two recruiting classes, and I still think there's probably enough talent at Florida, obviously, um, that he's the cupboard's not going to be completely bare. He's going to need a quarterback or find one that he can operate his system. But no, I, I think it gets right back on track. Heck, I mean, you know, for all the, the grief we give McElwain, he did get to the SEC championship two games. Two years in a row. He just got blasted. Quarterback. That's whoever the next coach is. If they get a quarterback, then then they'll be in much better shape. Meantime, Rick, the big game this weekend in college football, and it's good to see this again. Boy, I miss this. I was watching the other night on ESPN. They had the uh, Catholics versus convicts uh, 30 for 30 on. And you forget just how much fun Notre Dame-Miami is. I don't think either one of these schools are quite where they were back and when they were when you had the true Catholics versus convicts. But the winner of this game has a pretty good shot at getting into college football playoff. This is a big game because you have two big brands, right, that are back. 
football's better, I'm sorry, when Notre Dame and Miami are both good, period. We've been waiting for Miami forever, it seems like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can't stop Notre Dame with their schedule. If they run and run the table, they're in. That's going to screw up everybody because all the other some Power 5 conference is going to get left out altogether. Mm-hmm. And Miami, absolutely, if they beat Notre Dame – they're, they have to be considered, you know, in the top five co- teams in the country. Um, and I think they're probably a year early. I don't know if they can sustain this. they still got some work to do. But uh, what a big game for those two brands. And I, I think it's great that Miami and Notre Dame are going to play a big game. What I find interesting really about this whole thing is that Georgia fires Mark Richt. And I'm not sure it was the right decision at the time. I, I, I sort of got where they were coming from. They were good, but they were never great. They were always one of those teams that was yeah. – they were going to lose two games, three games every year, maybe get to an SEC championship, maybe not. But then he actually it – it was the best thing for Mark Rick that he's proven that Miami is a good place for him. And yet Georgia, what appears, done the right thing too because right now they're technically the number one team in the country. So rarely do you see where, where a guy gets fired from a program – and it benefits everybody. Fresh coat of paint for Georgia, right? Because Rick had been there a long time, um, and he he had been able to recruit every year. He'd done very very well. Um, they're they're winning sort of the Alabama way, run the football right with Kirby Smart, and and he knows the SEC and he knows how to win games there, and he's doing it. And and for Rick, he goes back to a place that he played. Sure. I mean, he you know this is this is sort of a homecoming for him in sorts. So it worked out for both. You're right. It's rare that you know you have. A situation like that where the, the program loses their head coach and, and, and they take off, and then the place that the, the go, coach goes, they take off. So it's really great. I don't know that Georgia is really all that much better than they were before Rick got there uh, or, where, or after Rick left. Um, they're pretty good. They're, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're, look, they're pretty good. I'm still waiting to see how they'll match up with Alabama sure. in an SEC title game. But, Rick, this has been such a crazy year in college football mm-hmm. that – our, the, the, the conference, I think you and I fall the closest is the Big Ten. I'm a Penn State guy. You like Michigan. Uh, your your wife has went to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's the only chance they have left now to get into the college football playoff. If Wisconsin loses the Big Ten national uh, Big Ten championship game, the Big Ten will get shut out of the the college playoff. I think you're right, and and you know what's ruining it for everybody is Alabama again because now the gold standard is go undefeated and. What you would have, I mean, if you could remove Alabama, Tom, from the equation for a second, okay, what would we have coming down the stretch with everybody that has one loss, some teams with two losses that are really good? I still think Penn State's a really good team, and they're sitting here, you know, back-to-back losses. So I this is fascinating to me. But, yeah, to think that the Big Ten, which I still think this year was one of the most competitive conferences, wouldn't have a representative, you're right. Wisconsin gets no run whatsoever. They would, I mean, they may not even get in if they ran the table. Here's the question. If Wisconsin defeats whomever shows up on that day, um, do they have enough respect with all the losses of some team they're going to play in the championship game to, to even crack the top four? I don't know that they would. What is really cool about this whole thing, and you mentioned just what a, what a jumble this all is, is all the teams that are competing here with one loss or two losses even outside of Alabama, you have Georgia, they beat Notre Dame. So that's a team. Yeah. Both of those teams are in the mix. You're yeah. going to have Notre Dame maybe beating Miami. Both of those teams are in the mix. Oklahoma beat Ohio State. Both of those teams are in the mix. Rarely do you have like the top seven or eight teams, usually because they're all from different conferences, where there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of games that involved all those teams playing one another. Outside of Alabama, boy, if Georgia were to beat Alabama in an SEC title game, I don't know where you would go. If Alabama, though, runs the table like we expect them to, and I think I think Clemson gets in too if they run the table. 
But if Alabama beats Georgia close, if that game's really competitive, I mean, Georgia still gets in, right, maybe? They beat Notre Dame. So what happens to Notre Dame? I think Notre Dame can help them if Notre Dame keeps winning, right? If the only only loss that Notre Dame has is a one-point loss to Georgia and Georgia's only loss is to Alabama in a competitive game, you know, they, they can't get sandblasted. But I think, yeah, I think Georgia would, would, would get some consideration. But, man, then you're – think of the conferences you're cutting out of there if you have two from, from, from the SEC. Two from the SEC and a Notre Dame team. If you, if you took those, that's – now all of a sudden you're talking about only – no Pac-12, maybe. No Big 12, maybe. No Big 10, maybe. Only one of those conferences would get a team in if you took two teams from the SEC and one team and, and Notre Dame is the other. Be crazy. And UCF I'm, and USF, I'm just waiting for that game. I got, I got no interest in anything else until that game. No, I think that's a fun game. That's better than Florida, Florida State for sure. Um, and uh, I hope that USF puts on a good show. I mean, you know, if one team, one of those teams can only run the table now, and that's UCF, I think – do you think, first of all, is, are both coaches gone after this year? I think Scott Frost is gone. Charlie Charlie Strong is not gone. And I'm starting to wonder, Rick, if Charlie Strong is going to get another job. There were Tennessee is probably going to come open. Florida's definitely open. There will be some other schools. Dominoes will fall because somebody will take the Tennessee job sure. and somebody will take the Florida job and so forth. Nebraska is going to be open. Uh I'm wondering now at this point if Charlie doesn't go. We all assume, well, Charlie's a one-and-done type of guy. Maybe he not. Maybe not. He might be a guy that, through no fault of his own, he may end up being there for three or four years. What if he bought, beat Scott Frost? Would he get any credit for that, or is it just like you're using the other guy's quarterback in his team? I mean, what if he beat him? What if, what if, what if head-to-head, you know, he comes out there with a great game plan, and they, they light him up, and somebody says, hey, Charlie can coach a little bit. I think Charlie's best – Hope at this point is to is hope Bobby Petrino leaves Louisville yes. and gets a job, yeah. and then he'll go back to Louisville. But other than that, to answer your question, there was a time there where maybe the Scott Frost versus Charlie Strong would not only be for the AAC division championship, but would be winner gets the Florida job. You know, <laughs> but I, I don't see I don't see Florida hiring Charlie Strong, and I think Scott Frost, even if Scott Frost were to lose that game. I think he says he's the hot guy. To me, he's the number one hot guy. He's he's got the he's got the the bigger upside. Bucks were off on Tuesday, Rick. They get back to work on Wednesday, and now uh, they get ready for something they've never done before, which is or at least in the last two and a half years, is to get ready for a game without Jameis Winston. It's going to be neat, um, and I don't mean neat in a in a good way for the Bucks fans. I mean you're you're playing, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. How about this, Ryan Fitzpatrick against Josh McCown? Right, the two guys have played combined for 15 NFL teams, and the only two that they overlapped are the Jets and the Bucks, and that's who they play on Sunday. Is that amazing? 38 and 34 year old. It's incredible. It's incredible that uh, that those two guys. And look, Rick, like Josh, I'm surprised Josh McCown's actually done a good job. I was convinced the Jets were going to be historically bad, like one in 15 bad, like worst team in the history of the franchise. And they turned out to be pretty respectable. And I've heard a lot of people say the reason is, is because of Josh McCown. And I'm starting to wonder, how come he couldn't have done that here a couple years ago? Well, he played on a really bad football team. And, and the funny thing is, when Lovey Smith brought in Josh McCown, everybody said, what? Really? And two other teams have done exactly the same thing to make him a bridge quarterback. The guy's career is phenomenal. He's a, he's a freakish athlete. He's a very young, whatever age he is at this point, close to 40, I think, 37 years old, 38 years old. And... 
they have a great defense. I mean, I think for all the problems the Bucks have had, it won't get easier Sunday because their defense got after the Buffalo Bills, and we saw how dynamic they can be with running the ball and Tyrod Taylor. This is going to be a tough day for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And it's going to be even tougher because he's got no Mike Evans, too. What are they do? What are they going to do with wide receiver? Well, I mean, you know, you got Chris Godwin, who's going to have to come in and play outside for the most part, and you still have Deshaun Jackson. So Godwin will start. You still have Adam Humphreys in the slot, and, you know, that's that's the way you're going to go. But you, how do you replace? You, you know, this is the first game that I can remember them really having to, to play without Mike Evans. And he'll appeal that, by the way, um, but I think he ends up sitting out. They all go back to work on Wednesday. Rick Stroud will be out there, and we'll get you all the audio and everything that's going on from One Buck Place as uh, Dirk Cutter tries to figure out how to win a football game without maybe his two best players. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Stroud, and at Tom W. Jones. Thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.